Hello and welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Investing Club. I'm your host, Gabe Peterson, and this is the place investors go to gain actionable advice, learn about current market trends, and hear war stories from other professional investors out there in the field today. Before we get started, I have two quick housekeeping items for you. First, if you like this episode, we would very much appreciate a like, subscribe, and share. It is the best way to support the show and keep it running far into the future. Second, if you're a new investor looking to get started in real estate or an experienced investor looking to take your investing to the next level, I've created an ebook just for you that will cover how to find deals that are actually deals, how to finance those deals with little to no money down, and how to exit those deals for maximum value. On top of that, I throw in an insane amount of free bonuses that you'll have access to once you buy the ebook. All I charge is our admin costs to keep this show running. So if you're serious about real estate investing and want to create both active and passive income as an investor, head on over to the website at therealestateinvestingclub.com and click on the button that says, get the ebook in the upper right-hand corner to grab yourself a copy. With that said, let's dive right in. Today, we have a very special guest with us ready to drop some investor knowledge on you. So buckle up, grab your pen and paper and enjoy the ride. All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Real Estate Investing Club. Today we have Spencer Hillegoss with us. Spencer is the CEO and co-founder of Madison Investing, a real estate investing firm specializing in syndications and funds. As a passive investor and active syndicator, he understands the unique challenges that busy professionals face when starting out on their REI journey. Spencer's mission is to arm investors with the know-how they need to make confident investment decisions tailored to the individual life goals. I love that intro, Spencer, because it sounds like you've been through it. So Spencer, thank you very much for hopping on the show. It's a pleasure having you here. Yeah, thank you, Gabe. I'm really excited about the conversation. So let's dig into it. Let's do it. Um, and before we get started, I want to let everybody know Spencer is in a construction zone. So you might hear some background noise. We're going to roll with it if that happens, because, hey, this is real estate and that's what happens. We live in construction zones. That's right. <laughs> I mean, we can always say we're building a wealth plan in the background or something corny like that, right? But I, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Literally putting a new pipe in, in the street right in front of my house. So thank you for bearing with it. <laughs> um, all right. I told you before we hop, got on here, we always start with stories. We like hearing how people kind of got from point A to point B. Um, so why don't you give us yours? How'd you get started in real estate? Yeah. You know, I kind of had a slingshot experience over the course of about 15, 20 years. Um, I was born and raised in a real estate household. Uh, my, my dad was a broker for 30 years residential. Um, I live out here in uh, the Bay Area, Cal uh, California. A lot of folks call that Silicon Valley. Um, the cool business here when you're growing up is tech companies. Um, and, and after working in my dad's business for years and not feeling very cool, telling my friend <laughs> that I worked in real estate and did open houses from time to time as a teenager and all that stuff. Um, I got pulled into that tech world. Uh, okay. And so that was my career for 13 years. I was building, oh, wow. you know, operations groups and sales groups for uh, fintech companies for the most part, like high growth unicorn, three of them are unicorn, uh, you know, valued at over a billion dollars uh, oh, wow. term. Um, that ended up becoming a really big passion point for me, just leadership roles and growing people, you know, uh, but ultimately, I think around, let's see, five months before the global pandemic hit, uh, which everyone is still going through now, uh, I ended up uh, at the other end of this journey, uh, making the decision to pull the ripcord 
you know, and, and basically leave what, what had become a side hustle. I built a real estate business and started investing on our own on nights and weekends, um, you know, for years. And I went full-time to become a full-time real estate professional five months before, uh, before COVID really hit. And so that it, it was a wild journey and I skipped a lot of steps there, but just to highlight one thing as well, Gabe, I think, uh, you know, I, I very much have always felt like, you know, the, the wealth plan for a guy that was in that seat was, was kind of broken because, you know, I didn't see our net worth moving. I have two young kids. Uh, my wife had her own career. Um, and you know, I had been pushing hard kind of banking on, uh, the Silicon Valley lottery, if you will, you know, a lot of people will join early stage tech companies. They would like to get some equity in those places. And ultimately, uh, maybe you'll get that big Uber, Google, Facebook, you know, IPO, a lot of people are banking on that for their wealth plan. And it's kind of like the get out of jail free card, right? Uh, a, big, uh, a big roll there, roll of the dice. It's a big, it, that's exactly right. It, it's a big roll of the dice. Um, and there was kind of a decision point for me at one point uh, before I started building and investing in our business uh, on syndications, apartment buildings, and all this other stuff and buying rentals before I even got to that. Um, where I was sitting there grinding 80 to 100 hours a week in, in, in one particular company that was like a really high velocity uh, team and, and company. And they're doing well, you know, frankly, I think they're going to have a pretty favorable exit. So I'm excited about that. You know, um, all that to say, though, I, I didn't see my firstborn for weeks. Oh. You know, like I was, I was going in when it was dark. I was coming home and it was dark. And all these different factors uh, led me to where I'm at today. Um, and, and one last comment I'll make before I, I stop yammering at you guys is, is um, I, you know, I went through a pretty tough time. My whole family went through a tough time, including my dad's uh, real estate business um, that I referenced at the beginning of this story, which is like, I watched his business rise as a broker. Um, we had a very comfortable lifestyle as a family and ultimately went through what we call kind of a dark decade. Uh, as corny as that might sound, it started with like my brother passing from cancer, uh, you, know, you know, parents getting divorced. I don't want bore people with the, the TMI here. I'll just say that yeah, yeah. we had one family income stream and it was a strong one. Um, that one strong family income stream stopped it, and his business really, really uh, had to downsize. It bounced back years and years later, but that stuck with me. Yeah. You know, that really stuck with me. And as a guy who's got my own family now, Got to make decisions, you know, planning ahead, thinking about what happens if I, you know, God forbid, get hit by a bus or, or something like that. Um, how do we de-risk our family and, and our life? And now I help other people do that too. So that was long-winded, but uh, it's kind of a whirlwind version of uh, a few key, kind of key moments, I think, throughout my journey so far. Yeah. No, I, I, uh, I mean, it sounds like you've gone, you know, through the valley and we all have those valley moments in our lives. Um, and it, it makes us greater. It, it gave you the motivation to, uh, to step out onto a new path. And that's why I really like real estate is because just like you said, so many people they're in the corporate world. And, you know, when we're growing up, we're given this idea that if you get into corporate, if you get into, you know, pre IPO, then you can really make it. That's the path. That's the path that you got to take. That's how you can be financially secure. Uh, I was in the same boat. I was in uh, consulting, not in um, not in startups, but I had that idea that you know if you just stay down this path, eventually something's going to happen. But you you look at your bank account, you 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 know you're running the clock in your mind. You're like, wait, this doesn't make sense. It's not going to get there. So you got to take a leap. Leap. Um, and it sounds like what's unique about your story is that you, it sounds like you did kind of like your job, like you liked the corporate, your leadership positions. You liked uh, you know doing what you were doing. And you still made the leap. You still decided to get out of the dark to dark, um, leaving in the dark, coming back in the dark kind of grind. 
and, and take that leap into real estate. So kudos to you. Um, and kudos to going through that Valley and coming out the other side, because, um, you know, it's always hard to get through that stuff. So you went through that, you made it out, you're on the other side. Um, what was, you know, you didn't, you didn't start in syndications. You didn't start in multifamily. What was kind of the first deal that you kind of took? You said you were working, you're still working your corporate job and you were doing real estate. What were the first few things that you did? Yeah. And thanks by the way, for catching the kind of positive reflection on the corporate career. You know, I, I just, as a side note, I think a lot of folks tend to assume, Hey, you and I are real estate investors. That means inherently we must say, Hey, you know, damn the, damn the corporate world. I don't have that, that reflection whatsoever. There was tough moments, but overall, I'm very thankful for all that. Yeah. Um, in, in terms of like key moments when I was first starting out in the real estate investing journey, Gabe, I look at like, Hey, we went and did the typical thing. We bought a rental. Everybody has to somehow start there. Right. And it's where we typically associate before we're more familiar with this stuff, uh, investing in real estate, you buy a single family property, you maybe buy and hold it. And maybe you get a property manager on it. That's exactly what we did. We still own that property now. Oh, nice. um, I think that uh, what is a good learning about this example, and I'll share this particularly for the folks that are on the West Coast mm-hmm. um, in major populated areas. I mean, so I'm in the Bay Area. We bought this property a number of years ago. I didn't understand the value of something called just cash flow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and it sounds so simple to you and I now, but like I just didn't get it. And, and I, we bought a $430,000 duplex in Vallejo, California, still own it. And has it appreciated? Yes. Uh, did I know how to plan for cash flow? No. So what does it make per month? $200. Oof. And, and so it, that, that's a growth play. It's a long buy and hold, yeah. you know, and, and I'm thankful that, that it's where it's at now. But we, we absolutely could have done uh, a better play if we're talking about building income streams. And from there, got more comfortable buying sight unseen, built a modest portfolio in the Midwest. Uh, you know, we got it. Mm, great. Top. I love, love hearing that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, five single family homes, um, you know, and then we ultimately sold those just earlier this year. And so we kind of went through these three logical stages the way I think about it. It was like, we're not comfortable buying sight unseen. We're not comfortable putting money into these deals with strangers. Let's go buy something we can do locally. Um, did wasn't a smart move, but hey, long term it is. Did the single family home turnkey thing. Bought those rentals in the Midwest. It was good. It was more headache than we wanted. Mm. And then we were like, there's got to be something better. I mean, we, like, it, it's got to be. I'm not anti-rental at all. I'm actually very pro-rental. It just has to match our goals. And right now, we have two young kids. We have a full life. And uh, I don't want to keep scaling up on single families because it just was more overhead than we wanted. So, you know, we, we started investing as LPs or limited partners in uh, private deals, like, like apartment deals uh, specifically. And now that's been a great experience early on. It went so well, started talking to my coworkers about it, um, you know, when I was still in the W2 world. And then we were just like, wow, this is like seeming to really resonate. And there, we were just organically having conversations with folks because they were curious what we were doing with our own capital. And that's how um, I ended up deciding I'm not going to go move to a cash flow market, to a Sunbelt market, which is where we like to focus these days for Madison Investing, which is our investing group. Um, we like to stay here in the Bay Area for now and play to strength and partner with folks who are you know experienced asset managers. And, and so nice. now that's what we do. We, we invest in these things um, with our own money. We find deals that we like, find people that we like working with. And, and then ultimately... If it works out, you know, maybe we'll end up doing some more stuff with them um, later. 
cool, man. I'm uh, I did not for some reason, you know, before our we got on the podcast, I was looking through your bio. I did not click that you are you focus on the LP side, not the GP side. Um, that's great because I haven't had somebody on here who really focuses only on uh, LP. So, um, but before I jump into that, I did want to uh, kind of touch on one thing you said earlier. You were talking about buying in the Bay Area. You didn't really understand, or you didn't really focus on cash flow, um, which is so important for everybody getting started out there. Cash flow is king, in my opinion. But there's also this, the fact that appreciation in coastal cities is absurd. Um, so you can successfully invest in the coastal cities without experiencing cash flow. But cash flow, man, you got to have it. Like, in my opinion, it sounds like that's why you moved into the Midwest is you were looking for the cash flow. Um, I bought a, a few properties in like Arkansas and Texas and stuff. And cash flow is so much better than up here in Seattle. So um, makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, sixty bucks, uh, sixty thousand dollars purchase price is quite different than uh, the Bay Area and the West Coast standards in general. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, no, so that's cool. You you were in single family. You did the single family thing. You you invested in you know um, high purchase price markets. You know the West Coast and the Bay Area. You invested in low purchase price markets. Um, sounds like the Midwest somewhere. So you have that. Both of those experiences. It sounds like you did long. Uh, you know, um, out of state investing. You did sight unseen purchases, which is very unique. A lot, not a lot of people do that. Um, but ultimately LPs, you know, putting your pro your, your capital into someone else's project is the, the model that kind of fit with what you're looking for. Um, so tell me why, why did you decide to do that? What, um, I, I know you kind of touched on it. You were, you didn't really like the, the single family, um, rental model of, of uh, you know, doing that work of of managing that portfolio. So go a little bit deeper. Why LPs? Why putting your project, your money into somebody else's project? Yeah, you know, and and I do want to um, just call out up front again for folks that it comes down to goal setting. You know, um, at, at least that's a realization that Jennifer, uh, my my business partner as well as my wife, have come to, which is for some folks they don't want or need cash flow, but most of those folks are very far along, typically high net worth, or they're in a really highly paid profession, and they're okay just not getting that income because they don't really need it. Um, we wanted to be able to set some goals that were specifically around building income streams and cash flow first, and then go focus on growth later. And so, mm. so for us, the tough learning game, I think um, within rentals as a guy who firmly believes they are not passive. Um, I think, yeah, I think they're definitely very, not, you know, like they are semi-passive or semi-active depending on what side of that coin you want to put them. But uh, I, I do think there's a place for them. It's just not necessarily for us so that I'm not anti-rental. And so I want to make that very clear for folks. We, we probably will buy some years from now when our boys are growing up and we have more time to deal with them. But for us, we bought these properties, uh, for example, in um, the Midwest. It was in Kansas City. Uh, Kansas oh, okay. City. It's a great market. Yeah. I mean, great market for cash flow, right? And uh, the challenge was, I think, you, when you go in, a lot of times people think, hey, what, what's going to go into to buying these? Okay, I'll get a property manager. It's going to be totally hands off, totally turnkey. Buying turnkey, I'm sure your audience uh, probably knows this already, but just to rehash it, it's like we bought them. They're already leased. They've they've got tenants. They're rent ready, uh, and essentially you're getting the property management built in. And it sounds great. Uh, the challenge is that the managing the manager is a very real thing, and getting a phone call two times a month, one time a month for hey. Are you comfortable with these repairs? Or oh, the city left a uh, you know left a note on the door, and you have to go deal with this or that. Those still sometimes come to you, 
you're dealing with property taxes, you're dealing with all this other stuff. And ultimately the financial assumptions that go into these properties, you got to you have to go through it a few times before you really realize how to go and underwrite or analyze them to know what you're going to pay. And the turnover rate is high if you go for C-class properties. Like the tenants will leave often once a year. And, and th- those are turnover costs associated with these things. So it cuts into your cash flow, cuts in, but most importantly, it cuts into your time, um, even with a good property manager. So it's kind of that realization that we got to get, which is like, we we are not going to go scale with this. We're not going to get to you know a five digit number on monthly cash flow, uh, which is our target, by doing this over and over because the time is simply not going to be available. Um, and so that's really how we we made the decision to start going and saying how do we find something that's better fit, you know, just better fit for us. We know how to analyze deals. We know how to analyze and vet the people. Most importantly, on these passive uh, apartment deals, and and so that that's really been the focus instead now. Interesting. Um, yeah, I actually, so up until last month was, uh, I was doing all my deals myself with my own money, um, you know, from the flips that I'd done. And I just recently took on LP partners cause I want to do bigger deals. Um, and so I'd never done it before. It's a, you know, learning experience. Uh, but I, from, you know, being the, the GP and having LPs come in, um, the model from the LP side makes a lot of sense to me just because you know, the difficult part, I guess, is what I'm getting at is trusting the GP that you have. And so my question to you is, how do you, um, you know, you're putting a lot of trust in the person that's actually executing the project. So how do you go by about finding the person and then also trusting them to actually get the return that they're promising? Gosh, that is the question. Um, and I appreciate you going there, Gabe. So we have a criteria that is very nerdy and it's in a spreadsheet that I set up over time. Like a key learning, I think. I love spreadsheets. <laughs> I love a spreadsheet. Um, the key takeaway, if I had to say any of them from my tech career of 13 years, is the value of uh, frameworks. Um, and, and and aside from clearly the most valuable thing being great relationships long-term, but aside from that frameworking, and what does that actually mean? What that means is um, great decisions are typically made very slowly. Big, big, great decisions are made very slowly, but you can't afford to take forever to look at these deals. You can't afford to take forever, particularly if there's a good opportunity in front of you and you have to make a decision. So how do you do that? How do you pull off a quick decision or reasonably quick with the same level of thoughtfulness, the same level of rigor? You got to framework it. And so I look at, I mean, I didn't come up with this at the high level, but you know, you got to look at the operator, the market, the deal, said in a more basic way. I, I like breaking things down in a basic way for my basic brain. Um, you know, who, where, and then everything else. <laughs> um, but the who has got to be 80 to 90% of the risk mitigation and the risk in these deals. As a passive investor, you're looking at a deal, whether it's any asset class, pick apartments, storage, mobile home parks, uh, retail, uh, whatever, um, is the who. And so, you know, we actually have like a five bucket thing and I won't go nerdy on this because there's too many sub bullets and I'll get too excited and over talk. But uh, <laughs> it's, I look at it like uh, track record is number one. Like, have they done this before? And some sub bullets under that approach um, said, said another way that would be repeatable business process. Like, like, like does this person have a business process? Is it repeatable? And it can only be repeatable if they've done it fully before. Um the, the team um, and I'm, I'm gonna sorry i'm gonna jump in there right real quick i told you yeah. this is a live podcast and uh, i'm recording from my house and my dog is gonna start barking because we also have somebody here so give me one second and uh yeah. pause that in your mind. 
No worries. <laughs> All right, we have, uh, we have a basement below, and there's we're getting a rat problem taken care of. And my dog, I swear to God, anytime somebody comes in the house, it's not me or my my girlfriend. He goes crazy. So, <laughs> um, all right. So I interrupted you. You were talking about your your five point framework. Keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, I don't want to bore people with it too much. I'll just say. Um, so we look at number one track record. Number two approach. Uh, number three the, the team. Uh, meaning, like, the, there's some stuff within that configuration of that GP team or that or the operator. Um, you know, the partners. Like, do, or do they have areas or swim lanes or? specializations or are they trying to everyone's doing a little bit of everything right um there's a bunch of other ways to look at that so that's number three we look at uh communication how do they communicate uh is it modern you know um hopefully and i really hope i don't offend someone with this but i might offend that one person out there who still has an aol.com address um if if (laughs) if if that's how you roll um it's probably not going to go well uh because you got to got to adapt and give modern reporting you know uh, to investors i I would at least want to see um you know modern communications email and and reporting and 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 stuff that's helpful um to, to decide is this going well uh and last but not least as corny as it sounds um values you know a lot of a lot of folks uh kind of laugh at that and and, and there's nothing wrong i mean feel free to, to anyone can chuckle at that if they'd like it's, it's real to me because i believe you can test for it and, and um or interview for it you know I, I interviewed with hundreds of people in my corporate career across many companies at different roles and altitudes and i'll just say that like you can usually find out if someone plans to operate with integrity um in the most basic sense it's like are they going to do what they say they're going to do um, and so anyways, I don't want to soapbox on that one, but the, 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 those are kind of the, the five key things that we look for. Um, and then just, it's tough to always get down to evaluating based on those without grilling the person or making them feel like you're putting them through an interrogation. Uh, and so, you know, we do, um, now I'm very thankful that we have folks reach out to us, uh, you know, via referral uh, for per partners and sponsors that we should check out. Uh, but previously when we started and I was building this on nights and weekends, <laughs> waking up at 4 a.m. five days a week sometimes and just build this kind of framework and vet stuff. Uh, that was like a, please, hey, please take me seriously. And can, can you send me the best sponsors and, you know, and give me referrals because we're new to this stuff. And now that it's evolved over time and, and we're very thankful to have people uh, get referred to us. Cool, man, I love it. Um, and the one thing I mean, I love that you have a framework, you know, whenever you're you're trying to make decisions, it's so good to have some some sort of framework that kind of guides you um, through the decision process. The thing that stuck out to me um, out of all the things that you said, I liked all five of them, uh, but you said swim lanes. And I thought that was really unique because I've been in partnerships where roles weren't really well-defined. And so everybody was kind of doing everything. Um, It was just kind of a shit show and those don't work out well. Um, And then I've been in partnerships where people really have defined roles and they're the, the, efficacy of those partnerships is much higher. And so mm-hmm. I love that you actually look for swim lanes. Like, do you guys have a lane that you operate in? If yeah, there's multiple people great. in the partnership, like do, does one guy do operations? One guy, he does, uh, I don't know, um, sales, uh, um, <clears throat> acquisitions, whatever it may be. And so that's really interesting. I like that you had that there. Um, the other four were all also good, but that's the one that really stuck out to me there. Oh, well, I appreciate you catching it. Yeah. I mean, and there's, I also don't want any folks out there um, because being a GP is, is incredibly hard, right? And, and it is, and, and I know that you're, you're yourself are a GP as well. And 
there is no, nothing easy about it um, because because we're also G- GPs from time to time um, in certain partnerships. But uh, you know that said, I think that it's really helpful to have areas of specialization. And, and um, so I don't want GPs just to sit there and say, well, I helped out doing the, the underwriting on that one deal, even though we do have a, an operations and financial lead who typically does that. That's not really, I don't think what, what, what we're saying here is mostly just, yeah, it's good to have scopes of responsibility, not to get too corporate on people. Um, it's really helpful. Yep. All right. Well, hey, I just took a peek at the clock. It looks like we have passed our time limit. So it's time to quick jump into the quick question round. Are you ready? I am ready. Cool. Always starts with books because I'm a big bookie. So why don't you give me two book recommendations? Um, and if you don't do books, you could do YouTube, uh, podcast, whatever you want. Uh, but two recommendations, one for general life wisdom and one for real estate specific. Yeah. Uh, I've been a, a very casual but consistent runner for many years. Um, so I, I got to pick a book called uh, uh, What I Think About When I Think About Running. I think I got the title right on that. That's um, the name of the book. What yeah. I think about when I think about running. Yeah, and I think the author is. <laughs> I think I, I think the the author is Haruki Murakami. It's, so it's been around for a while. Um, it's not about running. It's a guy who happens to, to do a lot of running in the book, but it just hits on the value of, uh, you know, persistence and grit is, is one of the key things um, hits on uh, on the non real estate. I'm sorry, on on the real estate book. Uh, gosh, I, you know. It's hard to get through a discussion on this stuff in a book reference on real estate without talking about Kiyosaki. So I, I won't use that. Um, <laughs> I will say I, I'll have to pick Gary Keller's book, The Real Estate, um, The Millionaire Real Estate. Dollar Investor. Yeah, that's a good you one. Know, um, always, always a little curious about the titles chosen, but I'll say the content is outstanding um, and, and it's really, really helpful and applicable, even if someone doesn't care about the real estate stuff. It, it's just got great great visuals and great principles and all that stuff. So those would be my two. Yep. Yeah. I remember reading, uh, Gary Keller has quite a few of them. And I read before I had even done a deal, I read a bunch of those books, like cover to cover, not knowing what really understanding what they were saying. I mean, I, I got it on a high level, but not really getting it, but just reading them so that over repetition would just get into my brain. So when I ran into the situation in real life, I'd be like, Hey, Gary taught me about this. I remember this. So yeah. Gary Keller, I love his books. They're really good. All right, moving on. Um, next question is your younger self. So if you could go back to the Spencer who was kicking ass in the corporate world, loving his job, but thinking there was a little bit more, um, go back to him, look him in the eye, give him one piece of advice moving forward. Every single person that you meet should be assumed with positive intent and a long-term relationship to be built. I like it. I like that. That's a good one. I mean, just so it's so easy to forget. <laughs> it really is. Um, next question is habits. Uh, habits are the foundation of our life. What we do day in and day out kind of creates who we are. So if you could point one point to one thing in your life that you do day in and day out, and you feel has the biggest impact on your overall health, well-being and happiness, what would that be? Oh, um, I would say, hey, I'll just try to make this a one part, but I have to put a second part. Um, uh, alignment and time, quality time and discussion with my better half. Um, some folks might roll their eyes at that, but frankly, uh, there's plenty of partnerships and businesses out there that are built on a, uh, a spouse, you know, husband, wife, um, spouse. And for us, I quite literally consider it a strategic advantage because, um, you know, we're able to go on a hour and a half walk in a line together, not just as a couple, but as a business partner. And so I, I look at that as like, man, everything stems from success in business over the long term. That is a marathon. 
important and is absolutely something that you have to be aligned on um, with your goals. And so it's really a comment on goals and constantly reflecting on the long-term, mid-term, short-term down to the day. Um, you know, and of course, translating that into calendar blocking in Google Calendar. Um, but I, <laughs> all that stuff. And the, the other one would just be running. I, I, I think that, um, you know, I, I'm a very slow, call me a jogger, but I would just say that three to four times a week, that is my meditative space. Uh, and I get to, you know, all the best ideas come up during that time, if not in a shower thought. So uh, it has to be those. Nice. I love it. Yeah. It's funny how, uh, yeah, working out running for me too. I'll, I'll be stuck on a problem. And if I just get out there, just, you know, go on a run somehow, it just pops into my mind. I don't know why, where it came from, but running, I swear to God, it's the little, it's the elixir of problem solving. Truly. All right, moving on. Um, this one is geogra- geography. Uh, the United States is a ginormous place. There's so many square miles out there that are ripe for the investing. And so if you could point to one area in the United States that is not your backyard, um, that you are most excited to put your hard-earned dollars, what area would that be? Oof. One place. It's a hard choice. Um, I would say we, it has, we've always been or are still big fans of the Sun Belt, but more recently in the past you know, 12 to 18, 24 months, been starting to lean west. And so uh, oof, Boise, Idaho. Mm, yeah, Colorado Springs, Colorado. Lived in Colorado for ten years and biased. I know you asked for one, but I got to get at least those two. Cool, I love it. Uh, yeah, Idaho and Colorado—they're both doing real well. Um, I've always wanted to get out to to Denver just because of the sun. You know, they say three hundred and sixty-four days a year it's sunny, and so I've always wanted to get out there and experience that. It's awesome out there. All right. Uh, next question is an uh, opportunity for you to brag just a little bit. We all are given specific strengths. Um, you are no exception. So what is one thing that you feel is your Superman strength? What are you ex- exceptional at? Uh, I don't know if this is okay to call it a strength, I guess, but it's just um, like full on authenticity and just trying to be uh, the best listener I can be. Um, so just, I think that that's how you build authentic connections and, you know, it all stems from that because a lot of us, even in the corporate world, I can harken back to a time when I felt like I was not necessarily trying to be authentic. I was just trying to show up well in a corporate sense, which is weird. Um, you know, authenticity has got to be it. Yep. No, that is definitely a strength because uh, not everybody does it. So like it, um, which leads us to the very last question. And this one is for the listeners. Uh, you've given us a lot of good wisdom, good advice. I'm sure people out there want to reach out. Um, maybe potential GPs want to partner with you. Um, so what is a good way for them to reach out and say hi? Yeah. And I appreciate that. Um, so we have a, a group called Madison investing. Uh, it's at madisoninvesting.com. Um, folks can go on there and they can, uh, you know, sign up or for a newsletter or just book a time with me to connect. Perfect. And that is madisoninvesting.com. M-A-D-I-S-O-N investing.com. I'll put that in the show notes. So if y'all want to just click Click the little, I think it says more in the description. It'll pop down the full description in there. You can find the URL, click through and say hi to Spencer. Cool. Thank you. All right, Spencer, it's been uh, it's been a pleasure ha- having you here. So thank you very much for hopping on the show. Yeah, Gabe, this was awesome. I really appreciate it. And they, you know, I like actually seeing the pets join us as well. <laughs> we have, we have some that join us all the time. A little cameo so. from my dog. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you so much. All right. For everybody who's here with us today, thank you guys for showing up. You are the reason we do this. So if you guys have any questions whatsoever, reach out to me, Gabe at therealestateinvestingclub.com. Other than that, hope you guys have a great week. Keep rocking real estate. And I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. 
Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Real Estate Investing Club. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode as much as I enjoyed putting it on and were able to pull some actionable advice that you can apply in your own investing today in the field. Before you go, we have a gift for you. If you're a new investor looking to get started or an established investor looking to invest, take your investing to the next level. I've created an ebook just for you available on our website. This ebook, ebook will cover how I was able to create both active and passive income in real estate with very little money to start with. In it, I will address the three most often cited obstacles new and veteran investors run into by showing you how to find deals that are actually deals, how to finance a deal with little to no money down, and how to exit those deals for maximum value. And if you get the ebook today, I am throwing in a bundle of bonuses, seven of them to be exact. The first one will be the off-market lead generation blueprint, which will take you through the exact systems and processes we use to generate off-market leads like clockwork, which is the most important skill when it comes to creating wealth in real estate. The second bonus is the A to Z REI systems and vendors guide, which will allow you to peek under the hood of our business and see the exact tools, systems, and even the vendors we use to see the success that we do. And the third bonus is the top 100 best performing keywords pack, which is which will give you the exact keywords we use to target motivated sellers online using PPC ads. The fourth bundle is, or the fourth bonus is our contracts bundle for wholesaling and renting real estate, which will give you access to all the contracts we use in the field to execute all different types of transactions. After that is the investor's quick analysis calculator and offer tool, which will allow you to quickly calculate whether a deal is an actual deal and will allow you to create an offer automatically from those calculations. This is a lot of uh, a lot of bonuses that I said. I'm just going to keep going down the list. Number six is the investor's daily success tracker, which is a tracker you can use to ensure you are taking the right actions day in and day out to reach your financial goals in real estate. And the last bonus is the wholesalers template for quick assignment cash, which will give you the templates we use to present our wholesale deals professionally and efficiently to our buyers. Whew, that is a bundle. So it's a mouthful. You get all of those bonuses for free when you download the ebook. All we charge is the admin cost to run the show. So if you're interested in the ebook and the bonus bundle, head on over to the website at therealestateinvestingclub.com. Click on get the ebook bundle at the top of the page to take advantage of that deal. And with that said, I hope you have a fantastic day and even better week. Keep rocking real estate. And I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. All right, before I officially sign off, I have a quick announcement to make. If you're interested in becoming a passive investor in one of my deals, my own company, Kaizen Properties, is looking for capital partners for our upcoming projects. We invest in what are known as recession-resistant assets, mainly self-storage facilities, mobile home and RV parks, and industrial properties. If you're interested in investing and would like to learn a little bit more about my company, our investing criteria, and some of the previous projects we've done, Go to the Real Estate Investing Club podcast at therealestateinvestingclub.com and scroll all the way down to the bottom of the page. Click on the Invest With Us button. That'll pop up the investor form. Fill that out and we will reach back out to you as soon as we can. Or if you prefer a little bit more of a personal touch, you can reach out to me at gabe at therealestateinvestingclub.com. 
So really, that is it. Again, it was a pleasure hanging out with you guys during this episode, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.